We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here today is Wednesday, August 4th. I always have to check the calendar and my, my dates are all screwed up. But uh, we're talking football with my good friend Scott Pianowski. You know, if you know me, you know Scott. Uh, Scott's been a, a, in this industry for the same amount of time as I have. He used to write at Rotowire, obviously. Now he's uh, gone on to a bigger platform at Yahoo. You see his videos, you see all his work there. We're, we're, we play in like 8 billion leagues together. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Scott. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for the lovely intro. And uh, yeah, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And, um, you know, much love to Rotowire. We've been doing this together for such a long time. So yeah, um, yeah let's, talk, uh, let's talk some ball. Yeah, let's definitely do that. So uh, for, as always, this uh, podcast is sponsored by WinBet. We appreciate their sponsorship. Uh, talk about a couple of training camp news items. I, I mentioned this on the uh, Rotowire show on uh, SiriusXM today, but some bad news coming out of Cincy about the offense. The offense looks way behind the defense. Joe Burrow's getting no time. He looks very tentative back there. He's coming back from torn ACL and MCL. We saw some tentativeness from uh, Jimmy G last year with a similar injury. Uh this is not a positive sign. I know it's early in training camp. We we got the Hall of Fame game tomorrow. It's the first uh, training, you know, preseason game. So it's early still, but it's enough for me at least to be concerned. How do you feel? Yeah, you know, um, I I got the sense that the Bengals industry wise were becoming kind of a little bit of a kind of a hipster stack. Yeah, the idea that Burrow wasn't that expensive. They had three receivers who you could probably talk yourself into any of them at ADP. So if, if you wanted to stack Burrow with a receiver, all you had to do is get one of the other three guys at a price that you thought was fair. Mixon, finally, you would think ostensibly the, th the three down back, you know, Gio Bernard is gone. But the key is Burrow has to play well and Burrow has to be protected and Burrow has to be confident. And I don't really know. It's funny. Last year I made a prediction that Joe Burrow would have the greatest rookie fantasy season of all time. I, I guess I just had said, we're going to see one of the greatest rookie fantasy seasons of all time. I could apply it to Justin Herbert, but right. Um, right. <laughs> Burrow, Burrow was okay. I, I don't think he was great. I don't think he was bad. I thought he was okay. I think there was certainly a case that they could have made for maybe taking the lineman and not taking Jamar Chase, even though I, I like most people, I think Jamar Chase, I mean, the, the fact that 
LSU had a receiver who was better than Justin Jefferson, uh, you know, two years ago it is, is a pretty good argument for taking Jamar Chase. But I wonder if maybe they would have been better off taking an offensive lineman. And I get it with look, look we don't, you know, there's, there's so limited access to what we can see in preseason, and, and even the beat writers, you know, sometimes they they only ha- they only get snippets of practice, or they can't report things. A lot of times, teams won't play their primary guys in, in exhibition. There'll be a lot of different schools of thought on that. I guess with the Bengals, as I get into the teeth of, you know, because for me, best ball season and and some of the industry drafts that happened before August, that stuff's already happened. Now the, the leagues that are, are my money, my big money leagues are going to kick off in, in August. And then, you know, this is really the teeth of my regular seasonal draft season, the managed drafts. Right. And as far as the Bengals go, I was just looking for something to hang my hat on that optimistically, I was kind of sitting in the middle on the Bengals. I wasn't really in on them, wasn't really out on them. And I wanted a reason to believe that Burrow might be ready to take a leap or Burrow is certainly healthy and confident. And I guess the news that I'm hearing right now makes me want to just pull back on them. I'm not, it's not like I'm going to like, okay, not drafting any Bengals. I'm certainly not at that point, but if I were either or on a Bengal right now, I'd be tempted just to take the other guy. Yeah. And I'm feeling the same. Uh, I am like, I'll, I might even take Trevor Lawrence ahead of Burrow right now. Uh, kind of put them in, usually at the same sort of area when you're waiting on quarterbacks, kind of leaning towards Lawrence. And you know I'm a Bengals fan too, so maybe it's the well, self-hating kind of aspect of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tom Petty's going to write a song about me from the grave, but uh, you know, as the last Bengals fan. But um, no, uh, you know, it's kind of where. I, and I, usually I try to block out training camp noise, but you and I for, both did podcast recently with our good friend Chris, Christopher Harris, right? And he was asking us the question, what are you looking for in training camp with this team and with this team? And it's a good question. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff there that's so noisy that really that shouldn't move the needle, but sometimes does. And I'm trying to prevent that. But at the same time, I have never seen the Bengals writers this strident and saying we've never seen it a, dis, a disparity this bad. But then again, Liz brought up the point. Remember when Andy Dalton took over for Carson Palmer the year? Carson Palmer held out, didn't hold out. He just said, I'm not playing. Uh, you know, I will not play for you. Trade me or I'm going to retire. And they draft Andy Dalton the second round. That first preseason game, they go up to Detroit, and they just look so overmatched. And Dominic Sue looked like he was going to just maim Andy Dalton. It looked like the Bengals had all the trappings of an 0-16 team. They made the playoffs that year in his rookie year. So appearances can be a little deceptive. Yeah, I wonder if history is going to remember that Andy Dalton and Marvin Lewis were reasonably successful so long as you didn't want to play off. What would Marvin go 0 7 in the playoffs or something like that? But I mean, right. this was a franchise, the, and, and I'm, I'm preaching the choir here, but the Bengals had claim to the NFL's joke franchise. You, you could have put them at the bottom of how much does this franchise get it? Do, do they handle their drafting well? Do they handle their free agents well? Do they treat their players well? Do they are they a smart organization? The Bengals would have been very low on that totem pole for a really long time, and Dalton and Marvin Lewis legitimized them. I mean, did, did they become a championship contender? No, but they were a regular playoff contender, and and they made a lot of play. I mean, they were kind of always in that shakiest pizza game, right? They played the first game on the Saturday, but still, that's something. You know, when right. when you're not used to competing, uh, it's something you can hang your hat on. It's it's hard. Again, you know, not every team. I think it's probably the more a team is 
veteran-driven. I, I would think like with the Chiefs, for example, I, I don't know what they need to prove with Patrick Mahomes and, and Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. You know, one of the big questions there is, is McCole Hardman ready to handle a regular role? Maybe right. more of an expansive route tree and stuff like that. I, I did talk about that some with Chris Harris. But you know, Kansas City might just say, hey, bubble wrap with Mahomes. He's going to play very limited in the preseason. He might not play at all. And, you know, they, what do they have to prove? They just went to the Super Bowl. You know, Tampa Bay brought all their starters back on yeah. both sides of the ball, which is astounding. So I, I would think, even though there's ostensibly, a, a, I guess, a job battle at, at running back, I think both guys are going to play. It may, may be situational, maybe hot hand, whatever. But they could kind of mail in the preseason if they wanted to. But right. with a team like the an emerging team like the Bengals, where there's been turnover at some key spots and obviously Chase and Burrow already have a, a um, rapport that they built at LSU. And I'm sure that's a, a big reason why they drafted Chase is because he and Burrow were, were so great together. But I would think Cincinnati would be a team that wants to feel good about itself, that wants to put something on the field. I I, I don't know. When, when you're trying to be an emerging team, when you're trying to, to climb up into that respectable category, I think maybe preseason is more important to just to have a good taste in your mouth where – the Chiefs, the Chiefs probably don't even care if they go 0-4 in the preseason. Well, what do they have to prove? You know, or the, exactly. The so, again, I, I think th there's different objectives. And it doesn't mean that every team that's coming off a poor season is going to treat these exhibition games seriously. It, it's really you have to go on a case-by-case -case basis. And also, I think sometimes you'll see it like um, teams will do the dress rehearsal. And if they flunk the dress rehearsal, sometimes they'll try to throw out the starters for that final week. And they just want to have one good series so they can feel good about themselves before the regular season starts. I'd like to see some positive news from the Bengals. Again, just, just to back up the point I said earlier, I'm at a point now where they're going to lose all ties. Uh, any tie break that I have that that's based on a Bengal. And look, I'm, I'm still a Tyler Boyd guy. He's probably the most proactive pick I would make at ADP on this roster, but I'm a little discon I'm a little concerned. I'm a little disappointed that Joe Burrow's gotten off to a poor start because again, he, you know, he didn't play a full season and is coming off a major injury. So we don't know for sure. I'd like to believe Joe Burrow is going to be like a Pro Bowl player, going to be a 10-year answer quarterback, but that's still a maybe. Uh, you know, he's still – there's a lot of maybe quarterbacks. I don't know if – and right. for all the times I say, you know, with, with Tua Tagliaviola, I always botch his last name. is why I just call him Tua. Yeah, I wonder, well, hey, he played with all this talent at Alabama. How good is Tua really? That's a fair question to ask Joe Burrow. You know, granted, they got mm -hmm. some of that LSU talent on the roster, and I think we all like T. Higgins and, and Tyler Boyd, but – how much was Joe Burrow driven by the unbelievable setup he had? Again, we just saw just, Justin Jefferson just toy with the NFL in his rookie season and break all, all sorts of records. Maybe there's a case of anybody would have thrived in that offense. And I, I'm not, I was really bullish on Burrow last year. It's not that I'm washing my hands of him, but I think it's fair to question him and look at him with a critical eye. Yeah. And you know, the thing is, under pressure, you know, every quarterback is a lot different than when, when you're standing upright and you can count to 10 Mississippi before throwing 10 Mississippi state, even if you want, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to pull that off, but uh, we'll see, you know, going back to your Marvin Lewis comment, by the way, you know, I think Marvin Lewis in a way got harmed by being sticking with the angles so long because mm -hmm. he hasn't got another job. How many other coaches get recycled? This is a guy who took him from obscurity to a regular competing team. Maybe not a flat-out contender, but they remember they did have that home game against the Steelers where Carson Palmer got his knee wrecked on the first offensive play, and Joke. I don't hold on to that or anything. But, yeah, uh, they they had a, a couple other home games in the playoffs, including, you know, one where, you know, the one against the Steelers, uh, they should have won, but Dalton was hurt for that game, 
and lots of other things that happened, Jeremy Hill fumbling and all that, but not holding on to that either. Uh, but it makes you wonder like, okay, what happens if he got a chance in a real organization, you know, as opposed to one where the, the owner isn't also the GM? Yeah, it makes you wonder what sort of career would he have had otherwise? And so many of those games, you know, a couple of those games were coin flips. You know, that the Jeremy Hill fumble game, easily a game that could have won. I, I remember, I think the Bengals had a really critical personal foul late in that game, a, a, a perfect thing. There's two of them. It was perfect, and then it was uh, Pac-Man Jones after that. Imagine that, you know, perfect yeah. and Pac-Man Jones. Hard you know, to believe. Although dumb. the Pac-Man Jones one was BS because that's because the assistant coach for the Steelers was on the field. Never should have been on the field in the first place. I don't understand how that didn't call, get called. But, again, I mean, I'm not hanging on to things. I mean, what if, what if the Patriots don't win the snow game against the Raiders? Right. And, and if they decide maybe, you know, we don't really know how good Tom Brady is. Maybe we want to try Bledsoe for another season. I, mm-hmm. Sliding doors, you change one outcome, one call, one one play, you know, one uh, the weather forecast in a certain day. You know, what if Terry doesn't make that kick? I, maybe life is totally different. Um, I mean, you know, Bill, Bill Belichick was supposed to be the New York Jets coach and decided to resign a day or two later, whatever it was. I mean, he just said, I'm no longer HC of the NYJ. What if Bill Belichick stays in New York and maybe the Jets were a dynasty for 20 years. It's, it's just, there's so many, the margins of what makes teams successful and what makes teams semi-successful and just not successful at all can be razor thin. I mean, when Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf came out, there are a lot of people who thought Ryan Leaf was the right pick. What, what, What if the Colts take Ryan Leaf and the Chargers take, Peyton Manning. And, you know, ironically, of course, the, the Chargers took Eli Manning several years later. He didn't want to play in San Diego. Imagine not wanting to live in San Diego. I still don't really understand that one. But yeah, yeah. Um, Me too. I, the bottom line is I'm a I'm a Marvin Lewis sympathizer. I think at some point it made sense for he and the Bengals to, to go different ways. But I'm surprised that Marvin Lewis has been, I think, historically just not maybe given a fair shake. And, and look, even though I think he's a more accomplished coach than Jim Caldwell, Look at you, Jim Caldwell was a winning coach in Detroit, and they ran him out of town. Yeah, they thought Matt Patricia was. No, no, I get it. You know, uh, you're good. Is he is he enemy of great and all that stuff? And maybe they just thought they'd gone as far as they could go with Caldwell. But let's let's face it, they took three or four steps back with Matt Patricia, and now they're trying to pick up the wreckage from that terrible decision. Right, exactly right. I think that's a great point. Uh, we're going to talk about Scott's fades here in a second, but first, uh, a note from our title sponsor, WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin at roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states. Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, that's you, Scott, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcasts. Uh, you are in, yeah. So you are in a state that allows for uh, sports betting. I, I'm a, I'm envious in a way, but I'm also kind of like, yeah, might be saving me for myself too. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a mix of that. Um, there's some really good. 
promotions and some really good opportunities, but like anything else, you have to be level-headed and you have to, you know, set aside money that you're prepared to lose. And right. It's like poker. Yeah. It's like anything else you could, you could easily, if you get emotional, you talk about good decisions, right? That's what life, life is about good decisions. And yep. if you make emotional decision, the, the rational side of our brain and the emotional side of our brain are enemies. They do not mesh well together. They do not connect well together. So the idea right. is to in life, fantasy in life, whatever you're doing, you know, you're, you're in a relationship with somebody, you're, you're buying your car, you're, you're selling your house. You, you, you're just thinking about getting a pet, whatever it is you need to do. You're thinking about your health. You're trying to draft your fantasy team. You want to make rational, cool headed decisions. And when you feel yourself getting emotional, that's when you need to take a step back. You need to get somebody else's input. Uh, maybe you know, sleep on an idea. You know, a lot of times it's a good idea if you're making a big purchase you know, to sleep on it or you know, wait a wait a few days, wait a week, whatever it is. Don't make an impulse buy. And that's you know th those are the types of things. Those are life lessons that you learn that we can apply to fantasy. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, and uh, I like the idea of a separate set of funds just to have that you know all, all set up there. Uh, it's just like a poker bankroll. I, I definitely think that's a good play. Uh, and hey, you did well in staff picks last year. You ran away with it, right? Uh, I, I remember winning it. I don't. I don't remember if uh, how dominant of a win it was, but um, I seem I to remember you leading the whole way through. But, I, uh, I, you know, I mean, look, if somebody was staff picks guy of the of the decade, it was probably me. So I, I guess I could say that. But yeah, go ahead, and take that um, claim. That's fine. All I know is this: the one year I gave Liz crap for for not winning staff picks in such a long time, all of a sudden right. he, he rededicated himself, or. I don't know. Maybe he he bought some one nine hundred number scam picks. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Damon Liss get back in the picture. I don't know what happened, but I, I called Liss out on on the show on the Rotowire show, and then all yeah. of a sudden he uh, you know he hit like sixty two percent the rest of the year. So we've secretly replaced Chris Liss with Rufus Peabody. Let's see yeah, if let's anyone notices. See if anybody notices, right? So yeah. I, I love that. It's um, and that's and that by the way, I mean, look, I, I make no secret that I enjoy playing poker. I, I enjoy mm -hmm. you know betting on sports and stuff like that. But the great way to to balance this out, and this is why I, you know, I love fantasy. I mean, fa fantasy probably saved me from maybe going too far headfirst into some of this gaming stuff. Right. Because fantasy is fun and it's social and it connects people. And the way to, you know, if, if you're thinking like, oh, you know, I'd like to bet on some games, but you know, I'm, I'm worried about getting it over my head or whatever. Get in a pick and pull with your friends. Th then you'll have a stake in every game. And you know, you know, make make a side bet with some of your friends or whatever. I, I, yeah, I'm always doing stuff like that. Yeah, I really want to win staff picks. I, I what is it, fifty bucks we have on it or hundred bucks? I forget what the side bet is, but the records there, and you know, we all care about. You know, we, they have the records back to 1999. When we first started doing it, and, and yeah. I know, I know, um, you know, Chris cares very deeply about his record. In that I do, you do, Dalton does. We've been doing it for so long. I mean, the idea, the great marriage with all this is, is make it social. You know, play fantasy with your with your college friends. I know I know you still play fantasy baseball with guys you went to college with. You know, I'm in a longtime keeper league with people I grew up with, people I played street hockey with when I was 13 and 14, people I took driver's ed classes with. You know, I'm, I'm still friends with these guys, and we're still right. golfing together and playing fantasy together. And so the the social nature, you know, fantasy sports and and pick and pulls and all that, you know, it's such it's such a great network. You know, look at the fancy golf league we're in. I mean, you know, the, the great camaraderie we have and all the email exchanges and, and all the stuff. We we talk about the tournaments, we talk about golf trips, and it's a way to keep us all connected, you know, even if we don't get to see each other as much as we'd like. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah. And every once in a while we get like a at least a quorum of us there for a live draft or a golf outing. And 
or both, and it, it's all good as long as we don't get soaked. Uh, you know, the one time in California when it rains, but uh, so it goes. Um, let's talk fate, you know, because I think everybody has their guys. I think just as important are the guys that are fantasy viable that you just don't want to that you're either scratching off your list or pushing them far enough down that you're not taking them. Um, I want to start off with a newsworthy guy, and that's Jonathan Taylor. You probably were – I think you were fading him even before the, the the last week of news. The Colts just destroyed the start of their season with both Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson going down, but it certainly enhances that point of view. I actually would have said I was proactive to Taylor before everything kind of fell apart. Um, the yeah. Wentz injury, they don't – like most teams, they don't have a good solution – and who knows? Maybe they'll they'll try to pull a rabbit out of the hat. Maybe they'll they'll try to sweet talk the Patriots for Cam Newton or the Niners for Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe they can get um, Philip Rivers to come back. I I don't know if, if that's in play or not. But there's not a quarterback on the roster that anybody has any confidence in. And to be fair, we weren't sure what to expect from Wentz. I mean, the best thing you could say about Wentz is that at least he was going to an organization that was spearheaded by somebody he had success with in the past. But I wasn't confident that Carson Wentz was going to be anything more than an average quarterback and then maybe even below that. I always thought their offensive line was a little bit overrated. Not, not that it was a joke of a line or anything, but I thought it had this reputation as maybe a top five line. I didn't buy that. And now that they've lost a major piece of it, we have to totally downgrade that. And there's always been a question of how much would Taylor lose you know, work to Marlon Mack uh, catches to Naheem Hines, who I think is a little bit overrated. I, Taylor actually right. was a really efficient receiver last year, but Hines is going to have a role in the offense. Max going to have a role in the offense. Now there's no quarterback here. It gets It's gotten to the point now where I, I'm i not taking – well, Taylor's not going to go in the first round anymore in any reasonable league, but I don't want him in the second round either because – and then this is a big uh, theme in a lot of my fades. He, both the guys I wrote up on Yahoo and some of the guys I even considered – when you draft a running back, you're drafting an infrastructure, you're drafting an offense, you're drafting a head right. coach, you're drafting an offensive coordinator, you're drafting an overall team's win projection, game script, expectation. And all of a sudden the Colts went from, oh, you know, maybe co-favorites in that division to I think they're going to have a losing record. I'm really worried that things could bottom out in Indianapolis. And if that's the case, if, if I don't think Jonathan Taylor's on a winning team, and if I'm not sure how much he's seeding to other backs, and I think the quarterback on this team could be really bad, I, I don't want any part of that. That means no in the first round, which I think everybody agrees with now, but I won't take him in the second round either. And even in the third round, if I was co-managing a team with you or with my buddy Frank Schwab, which we'll, we'll do that at some point, um, I would, somebody would have to win the – and Frank actually went to Wisconsin, so he may be willing to stump for Taylor, and I'd certainly right, listen right. to anything he had to say. Uh, I also just did a, a a great podcast with Pat Fitzmorris, uh, who's who's from another Wisconsin. badger, yeah. awesome guy, another badger, and, and another you know I mean, look they, they like Jonathan Taylor, I like Jonathan Taylor too, but somebody would have to be very persuasive to talk me into Taylor. I, I think Frank may have drafted him recently in the second round, and he texted me about it. We didn't have a chance to talk about it yet, but uh, right now, first two rounds on Taylor, I am a hard no. So here's the thing that I find interesting, uh, interesting, you know, a lot of people are advocating trying to get your backs early, you know, the building blocks, get one in the first round, maybe even get the first two, but we've already lost Cam Akers. Jonathan Taylor stock is going down. A lot of people, I know Saquon Barkley is on your fade list. You know, you know, maybe you're not you know, into Joe Mixon. All of a sudden our choices are dwindling pretty quick. You got to take somebody, right? Yes, you got to take somebody, and so people are going to say, "Well, hey, you you can't just fade everybody unless you you're going to go zero RB, which I think is actually a mistake too." So the question would be, who am I drafting? Um, 
The player, the name player I probably changed my mind the most on is Ezekiel Elliott. I, I was concerned about him a couple months ago. I like that he came to camp in significantly improved shape. And for all the best shape of his life jokes that people make, I, I think being in shape really helps. I mean, that second year that Le'Veon Bell had when he when he finally got serious yeah. about his conditioning, became yeah. a star again. The Cowboys are going, even though I think Tony Pollard's a really good player, the Cowboys are going to play to the contract. If Dak Prescott is back to star level, and I realize that's a leap of faith with that. I love the receivers here. I think this is a top five offense. I could see it being a top two or top three offense. So Zeke's become somebody I would consider at three or four. I have no problem drafting Derrick Henry. I like Nick Chubb more than most people because I just don't think Kareem Hunt is the player that he's made out to be. Mm-hmm. And look at the efficiency last year, both rushing and receiving. Chubb was significantly better. And, he, and Chubb scored 12 touchdowns in 12 games. I, right. Yeah, is, is Hunt going to get some of the work? Yes. Uh, when Chubb was hurt for four games, Hunt was uh, Hunt got the ball, got the uh, the lion's share of the work in four games when, when Chubb didn't play. And, and Hunt was very, very ordinary. I wonder if that one great Hunt season was just the Andy Reid smoke and mirrors. Not that Hunt is a horrible player or anything, but I think it was just a matter of timing. And, and everything kind of clicked at the right moment. I think Nick Chubb is much more likely to hit a ceiling that I think a lot of people think he's just a boring floor guy. And but I think Cleveland's got a great offensive line. I think they have an easy path to a winning record. They finally got the coach right. I'm not a huge Baker Mayfield fan, but I think he's a good quarterback. I think maybe he could be a very good quarterback. I don't think he's going to be like an MVP candidate or anything like that. But they finally mm-hmm. got the coach right. They might have the quarterback right. The offensive line looks great. The defense looks like a plus unit. There are some cracks with teams in the division. We don't know if the Bengals are going to be good. There's a lot of things about the Steelers I don't like. I think Cleveland's actually a really safe place to invest. I have a lot of Nick Chubb. I have a lot of Derrick Henry. I'm open to Zeke Elliott. In the second round, Antonio Gibson is somebody. I know you have to worry about the toe a little bit. but He's going to go in the first round, though, Scott. Here's here's what I'm driving at because, okay, we're going to stipulate Henry's gone, Elliott's gone, Mm -hmm. Eckler's gone even, Chubb's gone. You're sitting there at 10 or 11. Are you taking Aaron Jones, Najee Harris, Eckler? We'll, we'll throw Eckler in that bunch. Gibson. Who are you taking when you're passing up Taylor and Barkley? Who are, who's that running back you're getting at 10 or 11? I, mean, I, I haven't been taking Aaron Jones because I just haven't had the slots that have made sense to take him. But why, why wouldn't you? I mean, what, I'm mean, i with you on that. I, I, that I think Jones is, is back. there. What, what's not to like? Right. Uh, I, okay, agreed. I agree. And so, uh, by the way, let me say this too. I, I just called up um, NFFC ADP. Um, I, I did it from August second to August fourth, so I, I didn't know really the best way to do it. But I wanted no, to just take. Some I recent, do that all the time. That's the recent best way drafts, to do it. Some yep. recent drafts, and Gibson's ADP is still sixteen, uh, a high of ten, and and a late of twenty. So he still falls in the second round. You would need an early second round pick to get Gibson. But right. Gibson would be the guy I would be hoping. Well, first of all, if I, if I was doing KDS, I'd mm-hmm. want a late pick. And I would love a start. Uh, Chubb right now, his ADP is 10. Gibson is 16. If I could somehow get out of here with Chubb and Gibson, man, I would be a really Oh, yeah. Guy. Amen. You know, I spent too much time with you and Liz because I always think, oh, Nick Chubb's never going to be available to me there at the back of the first round. But then I look, turn around and look at his ADP. He's running back seven sent from August 2nd to, uh, to, through today. Uh, with a range of 8 to 15. So, yeah, there's a pretty good chance I might get him there. Okay. Um, the thing, the so, thing about Chubb is a lot of people are, are turned off because they don't think he has the upside. They don't, they don't think – they think there's another prominent back there. And it's Nick the catches. Chubb, Nick yeah. Chubb can't be the cover boy. Yeah. And I, I think actually maybe he could. I think it's possible that he could play so well 
that Kevin Stefanski might say, hey, why are we not hitching our wagon in this guy? Remember, a lot of times when Nick Chubb couldn't get the ball, it's because he had clueless Cleveland coaches. I remember That's his rookie, true. rookie year. He ripped off like two long runs in Oakland. And I was like, oh, here we go, Nick Chubb. And the next week he had like five carries. You know, right. Those, I remember two, that uh, vividly. And it was like two weeks in a row. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy. Freddie Kitchens is gone. Hugh Jackson is gone. Yeah. You know, they actually have a coach who's on the ball now. So I, uh, Nick Chubb is a proactive pick for me. Yeah. Uh, before I get into more fades, a quick note from our sponsors here at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Thanks for that. Uh, we're talking with Scott Pianowski from Yahoo. You know me. You don't need me to introduce him, but... You know, he came out with his fades article, annual fades article on, on Yahoo. I highly suggest you read it. We're not going to go through everyone's picks, but Saquon Barkley's on that. Let's move to wide receivers. Julio Jones, every time I read his name, I think of you, and I think of Fred Sanford. You know, every time I see that, I think about that. And I think it applies more than ever this year. Yeah, it's the price of doing business with Julio. He's just always hobbling around, age 32 season. Look, Andre Johnson went through a whole career where he never really cracked the touchdown code. I think he had one mm-hmm. double-digit touchdown a year. And, and Julio's been that guy, too. Now, if you want to say that, hey, Ryan Tannehill, he's been really efficient as a red zone guy, and, and maybe Ryan Tannehill is, is going to be the person to crack the code, fine. But I think A.J. Brown's better than Julio Jones. I think the Titans get it. Now, last year, I'll, I'll be fair about this. I was not optimistic that Diggs and Josh Allen would get on the same page right away. I was not optimistic that DeAndre Hopkins would hit the ground running in Arizona. I was failed miserably on both of those predictions and sitting out, especially the Diggs side of it, although Hopkins was great too. Being pretty much over on both of those guys was was painful and it was wrong, and and that's fine. But Julio's not coming to Tennessee to be the guy. He's coming to be the number two guy. And he's at a point in his career, uh, he's a high attrition player. He's been a disappointing touchdown guy. He's had several seasons where he hasn't played full seasons. Mm-hmm. And he's still, so you add all that up. If, if he was getting pushed down where I think he should be getting pushed down, that's fine. But I think people are still drafting him 
he's got an excellent chance to finish as a wide receiver one. And if not, he'll be like as good as any wide receiver two there is in fantasy. I think he's a, a clear tier below that. I don't think I'll have Julio Jones anywhere. I haven't gotten him yet. Um, I haven't had a ton of leagues, but I, I've had enough that I've had my, ch- my bites, of, bites of the apple. Julio Jones or DJ Moore? Who do you have? I'd rather have Moore, the younger player, uh, the player who is still you know, the arrow, the escalator still still headed up, the arrow still pointed to the right. Julio Jones or Tyler Lockett? Similar situations in terms See, of like Lockett is, good actually, Lockett is actually to me, he's one of those Abanez all stars where yes, uh, Thielen's like that too. Although I'd, I'd feel a little bit that better. was my next one. That if, was my next if, one. If Thielen <laughs> uh, maybe wanted to get his arm jabbed, I'd, I'd feel a little bit better about the Vikings. They have some guys who seem to be uh, against that. I don't want to really take us off track on that subject, but the thing with Thielen and Lockett that I like is that they both play in an offense where there's a, a much better receiver. I mean, Jefferson's better than Thielen. Nobody disputes this. And DK Metcalf mm-hmm. is more dynamic than Lockett. But they both have extremely narrow usage trees. Uh, Russell Wilson, I think, is still a star. Kirk Cousins is still good enough. And the thing with Thielen is he had a bunch of touchdowns last year. I think it was 14. Okay, regression's going to come. He's not going to score 14 again. But it's not like he's going to go from 14 to 5. And right. a lot of those touchdowns were short touchdowns, which I think are the type of things that are repeatable. That's a that's a business model that you can get behind because the play is designed as, okay, we're, we're going to throw uh, an option route and Adam Thielen's going to catch a four-yard touchdown pass. It's when people, it, ironically, even though longer touchdowns probably demonstrate more skill, there's so much more fluctuation and noise to long touchdowns because it's just so easy for those plays not to happen or they, you know, the defender could interfere or they get tackled at the two-yard line, whatever it is. So I think Adam Thielen's in a wonderful place where he can regress a fair amount and still return value because he's just a boring player at this point. Tyler Lockett's the same thing. A lot of people are holding against Lockett, the fact that he was so peaks and valleys last year. Boomer Bust is 90% of this position. I don't think there's stickiness to that year over year. Just Lockett had a distribution last year that was frustrating because a lot of it came in just a few select games. But I don't think that's something we bank on year over year. I don't see a third receiver here I'm worried about. I don't see a tight end I'm worried about. I think Irv Smith will be okay in Minnesota, but I don't think he's going to dominate the ball. So again, narrow. The tree is so narrow. Yeah. Narrow target tree and a quarterback who's good enough and and a receiver who kind of screens because everybody's so in love with Jefferson and so in love with Metcalf, who are great players, and I have nothing negative to say about them. So they've become boring value plays for me. I also think both of the Rams receivers, assuming there's nothing wrong with Stafford, They've already lost Cam Akers, another team that doesn't have a viable third receiver. I think Tyler Higby's okay, but probably not a target dominator. The price, I, I think Woods and Cup are going half a round to a round later than they should. Yeah. Not, not again, if you're in the list universe, Cup is not going later than that. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, generally speaking. Uh, another wide receiver that's on your phase list, and this is a little hurtful because I like him, is DJ Chark. Talk me off the, talk me off the ledger. Why? You know, or at least talk me out of him, I guess I should be asking you, because I like him a lot. I like the better quarterback situation, finally. Tell me why I shouldn't be that high on DJ Chark at wide receiver 33. Well, he's had one really strong season, one okay season, and one season off the map. As soon as Urban Meyer came to town, one of the first things he did is just call out DJ Chark for not playing well last year. And one of the things, one of my rules of thumb with, we, we have to have BS detectors as fantasy players. And I always mm-hmm. feel like, Anything positive that's said, oh, this guy's really picking this up and this player's look great in camp or he's 
He's ready for a big role. We're going to use both these backs at the same time, blah, 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 blah. You have to be careful with that. But when they say something negative, it's almost always, it's it's meant to be true. It's meant to be taken seriously. And now maybe Urban Meyer thinks he can motivate Chark by right. getting under his skin or lighting a fire under him. I mean, you know, that's fine. But keep in mind, you know, new quarterback, new coach, new coordinator, they have no affiliation with Chark. Not that they're going to kick him to the curb. But one of the first things they did is sign Marvin Jones, who has an affiliation with this coordinator. So uh, they added, um, not only with a quarterback, but they added ETN, who was catching passes at Clemson from Trevor Lawrence. The Jaguars, in a, in a lot of ways, remind me of the Bengals in that there are three receivers. They're all reasonably priced. And, and you can say a lot of times the default is just take the cheapest one. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if, that, if that's maybe just a little bit too convenient of a hack sometimes. But my feeling is, I don't, I don't know, at least with Chase, I can tell myself a story that Jamar Chase eventually is going to have a season that's going to dwarf what T. Higgins ever did or what Tyler Boyd ever did. I don't feel that way about DJ Chark. I don't know for a fact that he's better than LaVisca Chenault. I don't know for a fact that he's a better touchdown bet this year than Marvin Jones. So I'd like more confidence before I proactively draft him when if I want to get invested in this passing game, there's just cheaper ways to get invested. I want to say one other thing about, about Jacksonville. I don't think James Robinson is being kicked to the curb, but is he going to regress? He's going to almost have to. And again, what he did was with a different regime. They, they have the mm-hmm. people who came in are not invested in James Robinson, but he was too good. And, and I get it. You know, there's a school, there's a school of thought that anybody who came out of nowhere the previous season who had no pedigree, you have to be really careful about those guys. I think Robinson, that said, I think Robinson's going to keep more of his production than maybe is commonly held. Not, not that I'm eager to draft him, but. I think some people are just totally hands off on Robinson. I don't put myself in that category. In the case of Chark, I think maybe he's just a good player and not a great player. And I don't have confidence that he's going to be the most targeted player or the heaviest touchdown guy in this offense. I'd rather play the value game if I take any Jacksonville wideout. You know, it's it's interesting you say that um, about Robinson because I, 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 I tend to agree. He's not going to be, you know, first of all, he's not going anywhere because he's cheap to the Jaguars too. It's not like they're just going to say, Oh, we don't want you. You know, they're get, every team needs at least two running backs sure. and he's not costing them anything. He's an undrafted rookie. Uh, but they did spend a first round pick on ETN and ETN mm-hmm. looks great in, in the passing game. And that, that might hurt shark actually. Uh, but I'm going to guess that you're, you're probably going to end up with a lot of Marvin Jones in your life. Uh, because he's the latest you, you've had, you know, he, he, he is like an ultimate Abanya's all-star if there ever was one. He's like, even the name is like so vanilla and, you know, you know, you know it, and I don't mean that as a, as a pejorative, but you know, he's just, he's always there. He's wide receiver 56 this year. Nowhere is near the what, cost. Is that what his ADP is? Is it yeah. that low, man? Yeah. I hadn't looked at it in a while. Um, at least in the last couple of days here on the NFC. God, I they're they're just giving that to you, and I, and I get it. He's changing teams, and he's at an age where you just start to wonder at what point does he just fade into obscurity. But um, you know, he's he had moments in in Cincinnati. He had, he had a really nice run in Detroit. Yeah, and I like the and I like the fact that he's going into an organization where he already has a tie. So it's it's not like they have to ask. Oh, okay, what's Marvin Jones all about? What routes does he like to run? What are his work habits? There's already a familiarity in an organization where most people don't know anybody yet, you know, where everybody's kind of meeting and, and shaking hands and, and, and right. figuring out what tendencies are and what people are good at and bad at. There's already a sense of, we know who Marvin Jones is. Exactly. Uh, when you hear the phrase generational prospect or unicorn, 
Do you just run away or do you buy into it? And obviously I'm asking Kyle Pitts here. You know, I think Kyle Pitts might be the most fascinating player in the draft pool because yep. on one hand, and, and I part of, and, and I'll admit that even though I fade, I'm fading Pitts and I, and I put out, I think a lot of good reasons to fade him. There also, there's a very plausible argument of why I could be wrong. Now, now my argument for, for fading Pitts is, you know, rookie tight ends just have not returned value almost never since, yep. since the merger i think it was over 640 yards for a first round tight end happened three times i want to say maybe it was four times uh, more than six touchdowns just a handful of times like three times i want to say one of them was raymond chester in 1970 yeah. even you and i aren't old enough to have drafted raymond <laughs> chester maybe Salfino drafted raymond chester but we, we weren't playing fantasy not only that but he went back in time and bought the football card for it too <laughs> you know you know the raymond chester uh, in my much uh, much esteemed Breakfast Table podcast uh, partner Michael Selfie. You know, I hope you you check out the Breakfast Table because we we have a lot of good conversations on that show. But yep. So Kyle Pitts is, and, and also I don't think Matt Ryan is a kingmaker anymore. I think at one point, I mean, he he was the MVP one year. Um, they had the Super Bowl just about in the refrigerator. We we know what happened that year. Matt Ryan was he's going to be one of those Hall of Very Good. I don't think he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but he was he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks who doesn't make the Hall of Fame. Right, and I'm, he'll probably end up on these lists of like, oh, you know, uh, of all the non Hall of Fame quarterbacks, how many quarterbacks have this, 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 and this? And it'll be like one guy and Matt Ryan. You know, I mean, he's had a nice career. I don't think he's a kingmaker anymore. Now, the the, the pro pits people are going to say, hey, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're not drafting him to be a tight end in in the sense of hand on the ground, block, do the dirty work, take out the trash. They're drafting him to be a jumbo receiver. They're drafting him to be in the slot. They're drafting him to be a right. matchup nightmare. Maybe that's true. I I feel like there's been the quote unquote generational tight ends have, have come around. But go back in in time and read everything they said about Vernon Davis. And again, it's not like they used Vernon Davis as a receiver. And they did you know, use him as a blocking tight end a lot. But he was supposed to be the guy who just smashed everything and broke the mold. I think he had 20 catches his first year or something completely yep. insignificant. I feel like we've been told, no, this player's different. No, this player's different. And football's hard, and a lot of times, you know, I, I just feel like if you fade. The hype, and here, here's the bottom line with me with Pitts, is I feel like where he's drafted now in ADP, he needs to be great right away. It's not like, oh, okay, we're drafting him and he has a chance to be pretty good, or we're drafting him and we, we think he'll be the second most targeted player there. I don't think anybody thinks he'll have more targets than Ridley or, or more anything than Ridley, really. But, you know, the, the second part of, of, a, of a team that may need to throw a lot, fine, blah, blah, blah. Where you're drafting him, he better like go to the Pro Bowl. I mean, he he, he right. needs to be. He's, he's you know, people are drafting him as the number four tight end, number five tight end, number six tight end. I don't ever see him go earlier than that. And a lot of people who draft him like plant the flag, like, oh yeah, my whole draft strategy was like get get Kyle. Oh Pitts. yeah, first day of Scott Fishbowl. I mean, I saw so much uh, Pitts. You know, granted, it's tight end boosted scoring. Keep in mind, but you know, people are like I settled for Kittle instead of uh, Pitts. I'm like, what? Yeah, you know, I just didn't get it. By the way, I confirmed uh, Vernon Davis, 31, 358, and two his rookie year. Second year, he went crazy. 13 touchdowns, 965 yards, 78 catches. Isn't that, he was amazing that, pretty quick. Isn't that kind of the rule with tight ends, though, is that you want to see them get their feet wet, and then yep. you want to buy in year two, year three, whatever it is. And let me say this, too. They're, they're separate players, of course. Right. But last year – so this this is – this is apples and oranges. This is not a, a direct comparison. Okay. What about the people last year who said, wait a minute, you're taking player in the first round. You're crazy. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. This is all different. It's a first round pick. It's Andy Reid. It, it's Patrick Mahomes. 
you know, I, he's, he's, Williams opted out. He's in the backfield to himself. It's not that your season was maybe dead in arrival if you drafted CEH, but man, he was a major disappointment. Right. Well, and it goes back to our discussion earlier. I mean, Kareem Hunt went nuts under with Andy Reid uh, and his rookie, you know, and, you know, he got the, he got the job due to injury. Uh, Spencer Ware, I believe it was, that got hurt that year. Uh, we all want to find the next edge, literally, Edger and James. We all want to find him, you know, because he went crazy his rookie year. Uh, but those, those aren't that common. Um, and, and then even in a tight end, it's, it's just null set. No one does it goes crazy. I think what, I guess what 650 people, for a rookie. I guess what some people are going to say is, and I, I kind of alluded to this earlier, is that we've seen rookie receivers. And again, that was like one of the all-time loser negative EV plays. Just, just right. avoid the negative, the rookie receivers. And then in 2014, they went bananas. And then people who chased that trend paid for it the next few years when they fell back. The last couple of years, Rookie receivers have been not everybody, but a lot of them have been great. Jefferson just just obviously went bananas, and a lot of other rookie receivers were perfectly fine. Two years ago, they were even better, and I think mm-hmm. it's a lot because teams use three wide out as a basic offense now, and the college and pro game are, are more they keep morphing closer and closer together. So if you're going to tell me a pro pit story, it has to be based on he's you have to like pretend he's not even a tight end. You have to tell me that. Arthur Smith is going to utilize him as a receiver. And that'll be interesting if that does happen, by the way. And, and how do they handle him with contract time? Remember the, the controversy when, when Jimmy Graham, it's like, is he a receiver? Is he a tight end? How should he be paid? How should he be franchised and all that stuff? Right. I don't know if that's going to set up for problems down at the end of the line, but I'm on, of the school. I'm, I'm the understanding that he's not going to be such a receiver that he can be lumped into that wide receiver bucket. And, and, and by the way, it's not like the, Highly touted receivers never bust as rookies either. I mean, what, Corey Davis was he the first, fourth pick in his draft? Well, yeah. You know, Just go back to last year. I mean, you know, Jeff, Justin Jefferson went off, but first of all, he wasn't the guy that people were touting. There were some people that lo- loved him. Like I am Brett Coleman. I know he, he's, he, I think you know him as well, and he does great work. He was on him, but I picked him up in league, Scott. I picked him up in like week three. He was on the waiver wire in the NFFC, high stakes league with 10 man benches. He was available. Uh, you know, you know, you go to OBJ. You know, he, he was hurt to start his rookie year. I faded Fans him all that year. It sucked. Although yeah. I did pick up Mike Evans, who was dropped in the Stopa League that year, and, and everything yeah. was great for me. Uh, AJ Brown, I got off waivers his rookie year. Um, I mean, look at, you know, the trivia question of, of last year's receiver class is going to be which receiver went first. It was right. Ruggs, Thank you. Who was, who Thank was, you. Who was a stiff. Um, I don't think he's going to be a stiff forever, but I'm not optimistic about him this year. And man, poor Eagles fan. Somehow Jalen Rager went before Justin Jefferson. They're looking like the wrong move. Yeah. Um, you know, Jalen Rager looked at all the excuses that were made, like, oh, he played with really bad teammates. And um, and of course, look, I, I wouldn't be me if I didn't mention that Nikhil Harry was was drafted before A.J. Brown. Right, right, before right. D.K. Metcalf was drafted before Terry McLaurin, who is one of my, I, I'm not a pound the table guy, the draft players. I'm a pound the table guy for Terry McLaurin. I, I want him, and I and I realize that does not put me in right. a small room. That puts me on a, on a really crowded uh, bus, is what it does. Right. And McLaurin while we're talking about bus, something something, Andy Isabella. You know, I mean, it just you know before Metcalf and just oh, legion of mistakes there. Uh, before we keep going, a quick note from our friends at Dynasty Owner: Are you tired of the same old fantasy football leagues that get canceled after a year or so? If so, Dynasty Owner has your back. Go to DynastyOwner.com. New leagues for the 2021 season are forming now. 
Dynasty Owner unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office by incorporating a salary cap and real NFL player salaries for diehard fantasy football fans that want the real GM experience. Dynasty Owner owes, uh, Dynasty Owner adds a whole new level of strategy. Are you worried that you won't be able to find anyone to play in your league? Don't worry. Dynasty Owner can help fill your league with fantasy football enthusiasts like yourself. You won't have to worry about finding enough players. You can choose to start a league, join an existing one, or purchase a team from a previous owner. If you're serious about joining the big leagues, go to dynastyowner.com slash rotowire and start your dynasty today. Had Tim Peffer on last week. He he helps run dynasty owner. And uh, I know Jerry Dunabedian and Joe Bartle from uh, Rotowire play in an, uh, an industry league on the, their platform. So it's Chris Harris, who I had the week before on this show. Uh, so highly recommend the product. Uh, so I, I don't usually vouch for the product, but I will definitely vouch, vouch for that one. I, I got uh, to derail this podcast offline for about please 10 do. seconds here. I mentioned our golf league earlier. Uh, when you were doing that um, that housekeeping, I excuse me, I, I actually looked at my email because I, I played golf today. I, I'm way behind on whatever's happened. Sure. Is it true that Adam Schefter is joining our fantasy golf league? Is that actually It looks like it. So Alan Soslowski had uh, Adam on yesterday. So I, I, Adam started following Alan on Twitter, and Alan was going to cover for me during my golf trip. He still is going to cover for me. Great man. Uh, so, and he reached and he reached out to Adam and said, hey, can you uh, come on when, when Jeff's out, when I'm hosting? He couldn't do it then, but he, was, he gave him a time yesterday, gave him some of his time, some great stuff complimented our golf coverage and then Len seized upon that and said, Hey, we got this great league. So uh, I guess we're going to be at 15 teams next year, but uh, you know, we'll see about that, but that's pretty wild. Yeah. I love what Joe Sheehan said. He said, Oh, you know, enjoy your new partner, Len. Yeah. <laughs> great stuff. <laughs> well, so um, I'm trying to think if there's any university of Michigan alums on the, on the tour. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. So um, I'm trying to think what the Schefter bias would be. Well, it's Jeff Ritter is a Michigan guy. Oh, right. Of course, really, yeah, Ritter, of course. No, I meant like, um, are there any Wolverines on the tour right now? I can't think of anybody. I can't think of anybody, but I'm not really strong in my college golf game either. So um, I'm okay. sure there's going to be someone. Right? Luke Donald went to Northwestern, right? Yes, he I did. That I know. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, so there's uh, another guy that has qualified for WGCs before. Uh, name's escaping me, but uh, we actually are reasonably good at, at golf. Illinois is also really good at golf right now. Uh, Justin good. Sue, I think is a Northwestern guy. Also okay. feels like Georgia's yeah. got a bunch of good players too. There's one week yeah. where like the Georgia had like four of the top 10 guys. Uh, yeah. That I know Oklahoma team. state's the monster uh, out there, but uh, they're, they're just ridiculously good. Um, who knew that you were going to get college golf talk here on th this. Right. I, I know this must move the needle. It's, you know, oh, yeah. way down. It moves it way down, but <laughs> anyway, um, you're just welcome. counting all of our money right now. Welcome to the league, Schefter. You now I want to be one of the team captains again, so I can so I can bid on Aaron Schefter, uh, Adam Schefter, and our uh, one of the things we do in our golf league is we have a side league where we we, right. we form we form teams and we actually auction off the owners, which is uh, I don't know. I just think that's great. I love that we do that. Um, I've had so much fun with that. I think it's just ludicrous. We're like in year twenty-two of this league for a golf league, an auction league at that. You know, there was no DK golf, there was no Yahoo fan daily fantasy golf, there was just us in a room just you know with with no no really material out there how to do well in these leagues and so it, it's it's pretty wild i love i it. still don't know any i know every year uh, peter shanky uh wrote our president he puts out the the salaries and the results of our auction i don't know any other we're the only industry fantasy golf auction that i know of 
Yeah, you're like season long golf. That's a thing, but it's awesome. I love this league. Fantasy golf is great. Whether whether it's you're playing DFS or you're just betting on you know who you think is going to win a tournament or, um, you know, it's funny for all the. It's always a weird time for golf when the majors come around because the tournaments around the majors a lot of times are are sparsely attended and everything. And then you know, last week with the Olympics, there, there wasn't a regular tournament. And I felt my arm like shaking on Sunday. I wanted to watch a golf tournament. I know. I know. Where's my sweat? Yeah. Fantasy Um, golf. Let me just leave it with this. We'll we'll get back to football. But if you haven't played fantasy golf, you're really missing out. It's a it's it's a sport that I love golf anyway. So they already had me. You know, I was they didn't have to sell me or pitch me or or twist my arm. But if you're casual into golf or maybe you don't even like it, just see how you feel about it when you have a stake in it. You might feel differently. Right. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's great. Uh, and I like our individual pool, the way it's set up, just like I like our individual hockey league that we have. I think it's a brilliant format. And thanks to Dennis Crowley for introducing me and you to this league that it used to be the times hockey league, THL kind of split up a little bit. Uh, we named it, renamed it after, uh, late great Dan Panucci, uh, the Panucci hockey league. Love that guy. Love that guy. Um, yeah. And it just, it's a great league though. And I love the format. Just, Dude, I, I like having my foot in every, you know, foot in the water. In, almost in, our, in our hockey league, I, I know we fought over this in golf. We finally switched to an auto scoring format. We're still hand scoring the hockey league. We're, yeah. I Cause mean, we can't I, find I anybody to do it for us. You, you yeah. can get the scores from Yahoo, you know, so you don't have necessarily have to do all the legwork. Although, you know, I find myself hunting down goalie assists. I wish there'd be a website that would just come up with all the goalie assists. I did to look for them, but right. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Dennis uh, for, uh, Dennis, Dennis did a lot of nice things for me at a time when uh, I really could could have used favors and friendship. And, um, you know, um, we, we had a lot of good times together, including a baseball trip in the mid-90s. We went to Yankee Stadium and Veterans Stadium um, and another Yankee game in, in the same week. So um, really good guy and a lot of good people at the L.A. Times who I got to meet. Include, and I'll, I'll throw out Spike uh, Bulkage, Blockage, whatever his name was. He was the guy in that hockey league who would – he was a Kings fan, I think. And sometimes mm-hmm. he would just start three or four Kings on the same night. And we all thought it was funny. Like, what's he doing? He's kind of goofy. I mean, that that was the first time I'd ever seen somebody stack. A right. We, we didn't know what to call it. We just thought, called it spikes being crazy, but right, maybe right. he was onto something. I, maybe he just should have stacked like a good team. You know, rather than the right, Kings, right, right. Cause that was before the Kings won anything. Yep. Right. Right. But uh, yeah, much uh, fancy hockey's fun too. I, I know that in the fantasy space, it's football's the gorilla and everything else is kind of fighting for scraps. But um, if, if you're listening to the show and you're just a football guy, which I'm sure a lot of you are, there's some great opportunities to have a lot of fun and, and maybe even win some money in, in all these different sports. I mean, I'm not even a big NBA guy. I love playing categorical head-to-head fantasy basketball. I think it's a blast. Um, obviously, March Madness pools are great. And, and, you know, this is stuff you can do at Yahoo. But you can also do it on other websites. Just if you're only a football guy, there's a lot, there's a whole big world out there. And I just encourage you just to maybe take some footsteps in a new direction. You might find something you fall in love with. Yeah. You and I are simpatico that we'll get into almost any sport yeah, and amazing. find a way to get, find a way to make it actionable too, which is always great. Uh, let's talk your draft style. Let's talk about how you draft. L- let's focus on salary cap leagues too. Um, or, Previously known as auctions, but on Yahoo, on ESPN, on NFL, it's uh, now salary cap draft leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a hard time remembering that, or at least getting the nomenclature right. But it's all right; I'm old. You know, people excuse me for doing the that. The problem but... is that there isn't a great pivot 
once they no. want to go away from auction. There just isn't a name that really rolls off the tongue. Maybe somebody no. will come up with one. I don't know that we've found one yet, but yeah, for right. now, salary cap leagues. And then, and that's the problem is there's a confusion with like stratomatic leagues and things, or not stratomatic, but CDM and things CDM, like that too. Sure. Yeah, but anyways, so we, you and I usually play in a, a couple of salary cap leagues, including Sin City Auction. I haven't heard anything about the uh, auction date for that yet or a, salary, a, a draft date, I guess, for that. From our good buddy Brad Evans. I'm hoping that comes up soon, but it's a fun league that we do. It's a lot of roster spots. It's super flex. There's extra flex spots, mm. but it's also salary cap draft. And we have a $200 budget. Try to add all those players. You've had a lot of success in that format. It's been good for me. Um, one thing that I always liked about the the Stopa League, which was kind of the forefather right. for the what Brad has taken over, is those are leagues that require a lot of starters, and those are leagues that don't have very uh, large bench spaces. So, if somebody's in a sal- you know, auction salary cap, whatever you want to call it, if somebody's in a general league where they're divvying up everything by salary and by bidding rather than a snake draft, a lot of times the the full proof, the, the, the strategy is okay. Just go stars and scrubs. Try to get some real big difference makers at the top of your roster. The waiver while will be rich. You'll you'll figure out the bottom of your roster, but you, you really want to land on you know this year's Christian McCaffrey or your this year's Dalvin Cook or, or this year's Michael Thomas. You know two years ago, who by the way on my fade list this year. But right, um, stars and scrubs is going to be a good idea. The way a lot of leagues are structured, but the way the Stopa League was structured and the way Brad has taken that baton is we start so many guys with super flex. We start so many guys with multiple tight ends. We start so many guys with with multiple flexes is that a depth team, a team with a bunch of B-plus and B-players can be viable. And then, you know, we talked about that hockey league that, that we have. That, you know, I just won the league in um, the hockey league, and I, I didn't really have a superstar. I, mean, I, I, you know, I had a, a couple of players who were good, but I didn't have anybody in the MVP conversation. I didn't have anybody who would be like a top-five pick in the next year. I just had a bunch of really good like Mark Stone players for the most part and had really, really good depth in a year, and COVID kind of screwed up the schedule, and, and it, it was a good year to have a team like that. When I set up my the teams that I commissioner, uh, the leagues that I commissioner, I like to have a bunch of starters because I like to smooth out variance. I don't want one outlier performance to determine if I win or lose a given game. I mean, that's going to happen sometimes anyway. It's unavoidable. But in a lot of common leagues, it's like, oh, we only start six guys, seven guys, eight guys, whatever. That's when you get to go stars and scrubs. I love playing in a salary bidding format where the starting requirements are so significant that a team of good players, a team of B's and B pluses can hang with the team that maybe said, Oh yeah, I, I got McCaffrey and I, and I have Antonio Gibson and I have AJ Brown and, and I have, um, you know, a George Kittle or whatever. I, I, I bought these four studs. And then the rest of my roster is, is a bunch of smaller players, a bunch of $1 lottery tickets. That I'm just going to churn and work the waiver wire. I, and a lot of common leagues that would work if I were to be in a more standard league, bidding style salary cap style i'd probably have to be more open to stars and scrubs but i like it that a lot of the leagues i'm in require so many starters right and it makes a depth strategy viable when in a lot of common leagues it wouldn't be right and i think that's great too because you know one of the things is we you know fancy ourselves as having a good eye for talent being able to spot the next guy coming up that skill isn't necessarily employable in standard fantasy league certainly not the quarterback position because we only start one and there's only 10 or 12 teams in the league, you know, Baker Mayfield goes undrafted in most places, you know, things like that. Uh, I, I'm kind of like, eh, no, I, I don't think I, I you know, I, I, I don't 
I'd rather have this where you you find you can dig in the corners, find that guy that's emerging. And I think you know playing in a format like that lends itself to that. But I also think that a, you know a bidding style also lends to that because then you have a little bit more depth. You get the two or three dollar bench player as opposed to the one dollar guy you get at the end. You have a little bit of a say in that matter, a little bit more agency. And another reason why I, I like leagues with more starters, and, and there's another way to go about this if if you don't necessarily want to expand the starting pool. Look at the Scott Fish Bowl, where Scott Fish, in, in a nutshell, tries to make it so that every position has importance. And you go into a draft, and it's not like, okay, first round, uh, nine running backs and Travis Kelsey and, and Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams and mm-hmm. call, call the day. It's anybody can go first overall. Patrick Mahomes could be the first overall pick. Travis Kelsey could be the first overall pick. Lamar Jackson could be the first overall pick. Because what Scott has done is fool around with the scoring system, one, just to make it funky and kind of scramble everybody's head, but to make as many different roster builds viable as possible. And and I think that's something I I think we really should try to consider. Look, look, fantasy football, one of the reasons why it's king is, you know, they they play most of the games on one day. It doesn't require the investment that other sports have. Fantasy baseball, as much as I love it, is a huge time-consuming investment. Uh, even people who love it, I think we all feel that pinch on Sunday. When it's like, oh, I, I got to make bids in how many leagues today? I mean, it, it's a you know, big part of my Sunday every week. And, and as much as I enjoy it, I, I can't say that there aren't times where it's like, oh, man, you know, this it feels like a chore sometimes. Fantasy football is more accessible because it just the cadence of the week makes sense and everything. But I would really like to see us. It, to me, it's always been kind of a bug of fantasy football that, oh, yeah, yeah most common leagues, you can always find a quarterback and, and who's pretty good, who has a, a reasonable projection, and you never feel pinched at the position. So, therefore, once everybody kind of figures that out, now Patrick Mahomes doesn't get drafted that early or Josh Allen doesn't get drafted that early, even though they're great, or Lamar Jackson, whoever you want to throw out there, because there's just not scarcity at the position. And, and even the people you, – you could not draft a quarterback in a lot of leagues and do just fine – with the leftovers, because maybe Matthew Stafford doesn't get drafted, or maybe Jalen right. Hurts in some leagues might not get drafted, or, or you might have to go down a tier from that in more sophisticated leagues. But that's why I think Superflex is the perfect marriage. When I first started playing fantasy, the first leagues I got into were two quarterback leagues. Yeah, And, and then I, we didn't know what Superflex was. And when I saw how ingenious Superflex was, okay, it's basically two quarterback. But if you're screwed one week, you, you, know, you buy or injuries or just you know the – the way the week falls and you don't have a second quarterback, at least you're not totally frosted and you can play a receiver there, running back there. You even some leagues play kicker or whatever tight end. You're screwed, but you're not utterly screwed. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're just, you feel yeah. a pinch because quarterbacks yeah. score so well, but it gives you an alternative. Uh, you know, the quarter and, and I like, I love small benches too, because I think leagues where you have to make difficult cuts, I, I think it just makes it, it gives us a skill, another chance to show. It gives us another data point where we have to make a good decision. And I don't like leagues where we don't have to make decisions. I like leagues. I'm not, no, granted, should we be making constant decisions? Should you have to be you know, turning over your entire bench every week? That Maybe that goes too far. But I think leagues are better when they bring out skill. And I think leagues bring out skill more when there's a lot of dynamic decision-making that needs to be made on a regular basis. 100% agree. Uh, before we uh, fin- tie up a few last uh, strategy hints here, a quick note from our friends at AutoNew. AutoNew Fantasy Football lets you build your fantasy football dynasty like a real GM. It's better fantasy football, auction-based, deep rosters, and college player prospects. Stash the next rookie of the year while he's still tearing up Saturdays. Trade for superstars to make a championship push. Develop a team over multiple years. 
Play against the best fantasy football competition on the internet. Visit ottoneu.com today. All right, Scott, uh, bidding tips itself. When you're in an auction league or, or a salary cap league, I'm there at it again. Uh, how do you, what's your style? Do you like to be involved in every player? Do you like to jump bid? What are some things that you like to do when you're in, in the bidding process? I think it's a mistake to be involved in every player. And, and I'll say why. If you don't want to be the defender, the the price enforcer on a player, don't confuse the room by getting into the medium bidding and making them think that you're going to go the distance on this. Because then people think, okay, I don't have to worry about this because you know Jeff's going to handle this or Pinau's going to handle this or this <laughs> is going to handle this. So if I would like somebody else to to handle that. I mean, you can always jump in if the price just has stopped at a number that doesn't make sense. And you really need to, to be careful and about paying attention and stuff. I've, I've run to the bathroom before because I don't want the player who's, uh, who's, up, <laughs> who's up and I'm, nature has called. I'm not interested in the player who's come up. And then I come back and somebody who I was interested in went for some crazy price. And it was like, I want to say the rest of the room, where was everybody? I know where I was. Where were you? But try try not to give the wrong signal. If you don't, if you don't want to be the person who's going to be involved late in the bidding, whether you want the player or you're trying to defend it, I'd try to stay away from that. This isn't the easiest thing to do, but try to be mindful of sometimes one of your opponents is on the hook for a player. And if they buy that player, it's going to give them maybe a surplus at a position that they can't trade. Like I say, this happens every once in a while. Say you're in a one quarterback league and Patrick Mahomes already went to a team. And then the Lamar Jackson bidding starts and the Mahomes owner bids on Jackson. And because he's like, oh, well, Jackson's going to go for, you know, similar to Mahomes. I'm, I'm just going to keep moving this along. And all of a sudden, everybody starts to stop stocking. Maybe it's just better to screw that team and make him have Mahomes and Jackson. And, and I see this every, you know, I do start sit questions for, for Yahoo every Sunday as part of Fantasy Football Live. And, um, you know, so, so someday I always joke that I may not get into heaven, but I'm, I'm sure they'll ask me a start sick question anyway. You know, we, we, can't, <laughs> we can't let you into the into the pearly gates, but uh, what tight end should I play in week five? Um, I'm always asked which star quarterback to play in some leagues. Is my dog walking in the background? Fenway. And, and I'll say, have you tried to trade one? I know it's hard. Can you just take a loss on it, trade it to a team that can't hurt you? And like, I've tried. I can't do it. Everybody likes their quarterback. Right. So if, if All the time. Into, if you get into a situation where somebody is on the hook for a bid and, and maybe it's going to be, it's going to put them down the dollar days and it's going to get them out of your hair and you can live without the player. I think it's good sometimes to let those players go. One other strategy th- nuance I'll give, and if you have experience in this format, you, you know about this. Sometimes you need to experience this and maybe feel the bite of it before you understand this strategic point, but you want to try to purchase your players when your opponents have alternatives. If you wait, until the alternatives are drying up. You may come into that horrible situation where you need something really bad. Somebody else needs something really bad. You both have more money than you you should have at the time. And you have to overpay some crazy inflationary point because it's the last good thing. It's the worst. It's the other than eating. I don't know if it's worse to eat money or to spend $37 on something that's worth $14. If you're going to overspend Overspend for a player you're totally in on or something that you really need. Okay. Cause you know, nobody's going to say, right. Oh, you know, I thought McCaffrey should have gone for X. I played X plus four, you know, for him, whatever. Maybe you'll make up those $4 later. But if you end up paying $23 for Marvin Jones in the end game, do you have any, any alternatives left? I, that's probably a bad example because receiver is so deep, 
but you know, maybe you, you get stuck with there's really no good running backs left. And the last guy who comes up is James Robinson. And all of a sudden you've paid $37 for James Robinson when Nick Chubb yeah. went for 41 or something, you'll, you'll want to throw up. So try to make sure you, your opponents have alternatives. That's when you want to get involved because at some point people are going to be backed in a corner and a, a resource is going to become scarce. And, and, and by the way, it's really fun if you're not involved in this and you see right. two people who are and you already covered at that spot. Yeah, yep. they're rolling. Absolutely. They're rolling their eyes like, oh god, forty. Uh, I hate you, forty-one. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm quitting this league in ten minutes. Forty-two. You know, it's um, it's really fun if you're not involved in that. But you, you have to try to do your purchasing when there are alternatives because if you wait until the the basket is, is almost empty, then you're going to see some really crazy things happen. And if you get caught up in that, which everybody does at some point, and again, the, the sister to this is, is leaving money on the table, which is, which is awful too, because in most leagues, there's, there's absolutely no application for it. That money just goes to waste. And so, you know, if the spending is crazy, by the way, early in an auction, I don't think it's a bad idea. If everybody's bananas and you're like half bananas with a purchase, I don't think that's really that bad of an idea. Um, that's why I don't go into these things with really hard coded, salary numbers or you know, right. cheap because i think it's really easy to have bad data on that type of stuff i want to have a range and a lot of it i'm a field player with these things but just trying to make sure when you're when you're buying your stuff when you're allocating your assets that you're doing it when the market still seems to have alternatives because that will give your opponents a reason to, to drop out of the bidding if they don't have alternatives they're going to feel obligated to stay in yep and if you have two similarly rated guys and you may you may like one a little bit better player two comes up first and he's stopping at a reasonable price, I would just take it. You know, you might be afraid that, oh, the, the guy you really prefer goes just as cheaply or cheaper, but almost that almost never happens. It's almost the opposite. It's almost always true that he, there's someone else that's also waiting in that guy and maybe someone else's, and they're going to go bid hard on that. It happens all the time. And, and you have to accept that. And whenever you, you see like an industry auction results get published, it, it's the players come up in strange orders and yep. There are bidding pockets. There are times when people get crazy with their bidding. There are times when people really pull back. There are strange times where, where somebody, for whatever reason, bids on a player they don't need. The, the story is really hard. It's like a Quentin Tarantino movie told completely out of sequence. And it's not going to make – a lot of times these things aren't relatable to somebody. It's like, well, you had to be there. You had to understand the timing dynamics. That's why every you know salary cap league is such a snowflake because you yep. don't know – it's, you can't just look at the prices and be like, oh, this is how the market feels A to Z because the order is all jumbled up as the experience is going on. Exactly. You need to watch Memento twice to understand it, basically. Yeah, yeah, and I still might not understand it. That's true. Uh, that's a good point. Scott, this has been fun. A lot of fun. Um, and I, I, we were talking off air about the golf game. I don't think we have time to squeeze it on here, but congrats on the improvement there. Well, Glad thanks. you went out and hit them today. And uh, we'll, looking forward to doing it with you in person someday, too. Me, too. Um, you know, uh, Props to our man Daryl who's heading on a golf trip. And I know you have one in a couple of weeks. And uh, yep. I just hope all of us can get together maybe next year. And who knows? Maybe we'll be golfing with Adam Schefter. Maybe uh, maybe Schefter will come down to L.A. and uh, That would know. be amazing. Wouldn't this be fun just to listen to Schefter talk to Tim Schuler or, you know, whatever? Yep. Schefter talking to Joe Sheehan. I, I don't even need to be in those conversations. I just want to listen to everybody else. I'd like to see him out on the golf course. Next thing you know, he's whacking at 275. You're like, whoa. But, you know, it'd be amazing. Oh, the next but, next thing he'll tell us is, oh, oh, you know who just can pop with a, with a PED suspension? Or Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, that would be amazing. All right, that's going to end today's show. I want to thank WinBet for sponsoring us. Of course, thanks, Scott Pianowski, for uh, joining us today. Go check him out at 
you know, you can follow him on Twitter at Scott underscore Pianowski, Yahoo Fantasy Sports Live. It's, you know, you can sign up for free. You can play their DFS games. You can play a lot of different ways on Yahoo, and I consume all of their content. It's great stuff. We'll be back at you again uh, tomorrow. I think it's John and Mario. Thanks for listening to RotoWire. Have a great day. The headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.